The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. And today I have one of my favorite guests, if not my favorite guest, Dr. Congressman, officer in the Marines, the Navy pilot, Rich McCormick, a rugby player, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, he and I see the world a lot alike. He's just recently won the primary nomination for the Georgia 6th, which is amazing. He won by a lot. Um, I'm very excited about this. we got a lot of problems going on in this country. And Dr. McCormick is poised to help us fix all of them. He's an honest man. I know he's going to go to D.C. and he's going to he's going to help try and solve a lot of these problems. And our problems are deep. And we're going to try and get into a little bit of that today. I always talk about how on this show I started uh, wanting to just focus on medicine. I really wanted to stay out of politics. I really just wanted to focus on healthcare. My real passion in this life is being a healer, being a doctor. It's the greatest gift I've ever been given in life, I know you feel the same way, is to be able to help people and take care of people. But the problem is medicine is such an integral part of politics that there's no way to avoid it. <clears throat> and I think I've seen that connection better in the last few years than I ever have in my life. I'm now coming up on 30 years in healthcare and 21 years in private practice as a business owner, uh, working in hospitals. I understand research. I know you know all the same stuff, and I've learned a lot. And one of the biggest things I've learned is that people don't like you and I sharing what we know. And so there's a lot of censorship and everything. And you and I have talked about many times that in order to achieve the socialist transformation of that country, and I truly believe that is, that is, in, that's not that I believe, it is a fact. That is what the left is trying to do, is establish a socialist transformation of this country. In order to do that, you need to control medicine, you need to control energy, and you need to control health care. And you need to take away our guns, as Dr. McCormick so <clears throat> aptly pointed out to me this morning. And they're doing a really good job of that. I want to expose some of that stuff. But first of all, Rich, welcome to the show. I'm really excited for you. How, how does that win feel for you to get that primary? Hey, it's it's great. This is, uh, this is a really important time in American history. Uh, it was interesting. I just went up to D.C. to talk to several other people who are going to come in this freshman class. This is going to be a very talented, very large freshman class. Uh, to put it in perspective, if we went back, I believe, 17 seats, we're only four away from the majority in the House. Uh, if we win 17 seats, we'll have a bigger majority than we had in 94. If we win 29 seats, we'll have a bigger majority than we had in 2010. And if we win 34 seats, which is obtainable, we'll have the biggest Republican majority since the Great Depression. So think about that and so, what we can do with that. So let's think about that. Why don't you explain to us what the ramification and what does that mean to just our, us average people that are just, you know, going to work. We're trying to, you know, put food on the table. We're trying to get through our jobs, get our kids through school and make it through Little League. What, what does that really mean for us? Well, first of all, this is a good opportunity to bring back balance of power to government. Right now we have one of the things that people always want, they want change, right? Because they get frustrated with the government, which is normal for any people. 
the problem is that we become very lopsided in our government. The government was made to be inefficient. We wanted, the founding fathers said, look, we want a government which the people are in control, not the government. So they made the purpose of the government, uh, to be inefficient and to be not transformative. In other words, we don't want a government that can switch things overnight because of a knee-jerk reaction. We want to make sure the president can't just go to war without Congress. We need to make sure that we have a balance between the, the legislative body, the judicial system, and the executive branch. And, and unfortunately, for the last president, three presidencies, uh, especially this one, everything's done by executive order. Everything's an emergency. So the government has used this tremendous power, and it's been happening for a while, by the way. Uh, we haven't declared a war by Congress since World War II. Think about that. Uh, we, we've used executive orders to mandate things that are going to ruin people's lives and ruin their businesses because you have to either wear a mask or hire or fire employees or not even open your business to, uh, when, when you can, you can open a casino, but you have to close a church. That's called emergency powers by a government. We have granted far too many emergency powers to our government, and that has taken away what made America great to begin with, which is when you have a government accountable to a people and not vice versa. Right now, they're trying to make the government more powerful than the gov- than the people, which they're achieving in many ways, and that has never been what made America great. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. It's what made every other country fail. Right, and we're not supposed to be a democracy. We're a constitutional republic for that very reason, is that we didn't want these rapid changes in in policy based on the passions of the people and we wanted a very slow methodical way of doing things but you know we're we're looking at a situation now where uh I just noticed that we set a record this year for the most taxes taken in at almost 4 trillion dollars and yet we still run a deficit the greatest amount of that tax base goes to the Department of Health and Human Services at just about 1.2 trillion dollars and what are we getting for our money uh, you know, we're still implementing mask mandates in many ways. Our hospital systems are being shut down. You and I both know that science has been corrupted for a, le- a very long time. And Biden is sort of using this this perfect storm of the way that our government has broken down in the sense that Congress cedes its power to the bureaucracy and to the agencies. So they make these broad laws that uh, basically give the bureaucracy the ability to interpret it any way they want. And these unelectable, unaccountable or unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats get to make these decisions that vastly uh affect our lives our everyday lives and uh we now see that Biden is threatening to use the climate crisis as a reason to implement his green new deal policies and eliminate fossil fuels and i'm sitting here thinking as a regular citizen our government is spending and printing trillions of dollars that we don't have and they're putting a war on fossil fuels with no alternative in place. They keep talking about this transition. Transition to what? If we use battery power, we have enough battery power on this planet to, to power the planet for 75 seconds. And yet they're going to use this climate crisis, potentially, to implement this executive order to even further uh, affect our ability to produce fossil fuels. These people act like, wow, we just can't understand. Nobody saw this inflation coming. Nobody saw these problems coming. And I'm counting on you to go up to Congress and you're going to have a debate with AOC and Ilhan Omar and Chuck Schumer and you're going to convince them of the folly of uh, our policy and change it. I don't see that happening. 
What's the plan, Rich? Well, first of all, realize that this stuff has been predicted for a very long time. There's a great book, that one of the most influential books in my life, called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yep. It's about the formation of the yep. Federal Reserve. And, and he predicted, rightfully so, this is before it actually happened, that the, the government would use an emergency such as the environmental crisis because they're running out of wars. If you don't have a world war, if you don't have some reason to borrow a ton of money from a government to pay back, uh, then to, which benefits a lot of very wealthy people, then the next thing you're going to come up with is an environmental crisis. So once again, it feeds the system of, of debt and, and, and overspending, which is how government controls things, right? And so they, and for a while, when that started to actually kind of peter out, what they use? They used a virus to once again justify this massive spending, which did not, by the way, the great majority wasn't even designed to help this viral problem. It was designed to, expand government. So it's all kind of a hidden agenda all along. And what we found is when we keep on turning the government to fix the problems that they created, we have a problem. And we keep on we keep on going back to the government and say, oh, we need you to fix this and, and they become they are the problem. They're the ones that created when you when you turn to the government to fix racism, what is the biggest problem we've had with racism is when governments have gotten involved and created these divides to make a profit or to become electable they're the problem. If, if you got rid of government, I think racism goes away with it. I mean, they, they are the institution which creates division in America on purpose in order to raise money and to get elections done and to uh, make their, their big funders happy. So we got the Department of Health and Human Services getting $1.2 trillion. And listen, none of us really understand what $1.2 trillion is. It's an utterly ridiculous amount of money. And it's going to... Uh, the uh, the AMA, the CDC, the FDA, the HHS, and I could go on and I do all the time about the corruption and inconsistency from from these boards. The medical boards uh, basically for the past two years have set out to punish doctors with dissenting views. Um, I have been attacked. You've been attacked. Uh, by the way, it's funny to me. I want to do a show on it. They, you know, the AJC attacked us. Turns out every single thing we said turned out to be 100% true. And that's kind of another, uh, sort of, uh, thing that we're getting used to with this government is we get to the point where the gig is up, the, 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 the thing is exposed and they just move on as if we didn't see it. And I'm just going to use the example of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 57 years old. I've been hearing about Jeffrey Epstein my entire life. Most of the time, I didn't think anything about it. I was in college. I was going to school. I was focused on other things. But he was kind of always there, bad guy and everything. The guy gets arrested finally after like 30 years of this corruption. He's in maximum security on suicide watch. The cameras go out. The guards just happen to go away, and he commits suicide. You got the famous pathologist or forensic pathologist, Michael Bodden, saying based on the way his throat was was injured that it had to be murder and not suicide. We just move on from that. They just say, well, you know, nothing to see here, and we move on to the next thing. You see uh, the administration basically, you have Joe Biden on tape saying, I'm going to shut down fossil fuels. I'm going to bankrupt them. I'm going to put them out of business. And then when we're having a shortage of gas and all this inflation, they, well, you know, nobody saw this coming. And we seem to move on from this. How do we get out of this cycle? Because I do want there to be accountability. I do want us to have the ability to go to our leaders and to vote people out that are not acting in the people's best interest. And right now I just see insanity everywhere, everywhere we look at it. This idea that I'm sitting here right now nervous that Joe Biden is going to invoke a climate crisis that uh, in order to implement this Green New Deal, when you and I both know 
climate crisis is 30 years of a canard. The government and and the money is only for scientists who will say that there is global warming. Yeah. If you're a scientist that says, hey, I want to show that there's no global warming, you're ostracized, you're canceled, you're put out of business, you're not getting any funding. And here we are 30 years later, you got people on the right and the left that just accept this climate canard is something that's that's legit. Yeah, so I, I I tell you this is this brings up a whole spew of, of, of different things that the government's done historically. So we know that you don't have to talk about Biden worrying about Biden. Biden has done doing this. This is why he has emergency powers to do all kinds of things that presidents should not be allowed to do, by the way. Presidents shouldn't be able to shut down your business. Presidents shouldn't be able to tell you what to do uh outside of emergencies. Well, when you have a pandemic or when you have uh, a uh, a gas price problem, that is not an emergency. Like, you shouldn't be able to allow uh, a president to release the strategic reserves of America, by the way, which is for wartime. Yeah. For when you are under serious distress, not because you had to pay more at the pump, by the way, because when you open up that, <sighs> that, that uh, strategic reserve, by the way, that is – when something very bad in the world happens. What if something actually happened where somebody attacked us now and we don't have the reserves because we didn't do our supply side from America. He didn't complete the, the pipeline. He didn't allow us to unleash the United States. What, what made America so amazing during World War II is because we had our own steel industry. We had our own fossil fuels. We had everything encapsulated in America and we, we let loose. And when we let loose, we went from being something like the 17th world power to the number one world power in a snap. And that's unleashing America. What they want to do is go backwards with all that, make us dependent on everybody else. And if you look at the drugs that we rely on, the the fuels we rely on, the steel industry, everything is this pushed overseas. Computer chips. There's there's a big uh, stink right now about computer chips made in China that actually go in our drones. And now these drones are very strategically and tactically important to the United States. And, and I'm very by by the way, there's always going to be another emergency. By the way, when it, if it's not fossil fuels, it's going to be the nuclear. Oh gosh, we can't have <coughs> nuclear plants because if we have nuclear plants, we're going to do the nuclear waste. And if it's not that, then it's going to be about batteries. Oh my gosh, look at what we're going to do with all these battery wastes. And it's always going to be a reason for government to expand and take more control of our lives. And that's the dirty little secret. The good news is, and this is what I'm really excited about. Uh, if you have this big freshman class come in and, and take back a constitutional relationship with the people, where we have a new deal of you, a new promise to the people about what we're going to disempower the government with, because I think that's real. By the way, if you want to know what I'm going to do in government, it, it's going to be tried to get as much power taken away from the central government as possible, hand it back to the local level, hopefully who hands it back to the people, and... and the bright side is we've been through this before. Everybody who thinks that we're doomed, don't think we're doomed. In the <clears throat> 70s, we had race wars. We had gangs inside of the military hunting other people of other races. We we had runaway energy. Gas causes. lines. We I had gas remember. lines. We had yep. runaway inflation. We had long hair. We had opioids. Overdoses in record numbers. We had a proxy war with Russia. We had hatred of the police. We had shame of a nation. We People did not like America. But out of that came an era of prosperity that lasted almost 20 years when a guy named Ronald Reagan came out and said, you know what, we don't need a bigger government. We need less government power. We need a strong central government for a couple things. To protect your security, which, by the way, this administration has done a horrible job with, you know, making sure we support people who are going to protect you, whether it be the military or the police, and that we free people to do what they do best, which is take care of their families and be industrious and creative. And that's what government's there for, to make sure you have a fair shake, not to protect you from the, the economic woes of yourself. 
So, you know, one, uh, I agree with you that if we could just get back to our constitutional republic, it would really solve a lot of our problems. And I'm just wondering how we're going to get back there. I see, first of all, one of the things that people need to make decisions is accurate information. And we're living in this era where basically the government establishment controls the narrative. They control the information that we see. And if anybody tries to share an alternate opinion or a different point of view, they're censored, they're attacked. We've seen uh, people, particularly conservatives, go to prison. Uh, um, the founder of uh, the America's Frontline Doctors, Simone Gold, she's got she got sentenced to sixty days in prison for trespassing, and you know to talk to her it was just a corrupt uh, left wing judge that's trying to show, don't you push back against us? Um, you know it's Canada. But you see the way that when the truckers were trying to protest their government, they just went and shut down their their bank accounts. And, and they, they basically and they threatened people. Yeah, and they took their power away. And you might say to yourself, "Well, that's just Canada." They're trying to do the same stuff here, and that every day they're just taking a little bit more of our power away. And you can see that they've had this monopoly and this control on our on our our citizenry for a very long time, which is in large part how we got into this mess. But you have a Congress that has been writing these very vague rules uh, that basically cedes all the decision-making power to the bureaucracy who are these unelectable bureaucrats, and they just want run wild. And then when you go to your elected officials, they'll tell you, and I've had this experience, hey, listen, I agree with you, no matter who they're talking to. Hey, listen, I agree with you, but it's not my fault. It's just part of the... Uh, you know, automatic budget, the automatic spending, or, you know, it's the CDC, it's these other things. And it's like, we need to get back to the point where our Congress makes laws. We just had the, uh, the I'm forgetting what the name of the ruling is in West Virginia, where uh, the, um, the uh, I want to say it was Texas and a bunch of other states sued the uh, EPA so that they the, can't the just, one. yeah, the Chevron yeah. case. And so the real fundamental importance of that ruling was that the 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 Supreme Court basically said that Congress does not get to write these vague rules that they have yes. to write specific laws and of course the left went crazy and said you know the world's going to burn down because our agencies the things we control aren't going to be able to act with impunity now and you know you saw what happened with the Supreme Court Trump got into office he appointed uh, a ton of judges, especially at the federal level. And, of course, we got three, I would argue, reasonably conservative. I wouldn't say fully conservative judges. Uh, you know, savaged. We got, you know, one of them is basically almost assassinated. Mm -hmm. And you, you can see the left all but cheering it on, uh, which is a complete joke. And, and when I say joke, I mean it's horrifying. But... You have all these influences that are affecting the way that people see things. And when I look at the medicine side, we got this opioid crisis that they try to pin on doctors over prescribing, you know, Percocets for people with ankle fractures, which is a complete lie. It has to do with fentanyl and other drugs that are coming across our open borders, but we're not allowed to talk about it because that's politically inconvenient. We got uh, Katanji Brown Jackson just got confirmed to the Supreme Court. She can say out loud, well, I don't know what a woman is because I'm not a biologist. I mean, this one of nine people that has the most control over the lives of my children can't define what a woman is. And let's face it, she knows what a woman is. She just doesn't want to say it because they use this uh, political power uh, to control things. They got this climate canard that's just, listen, you and I both have been in science for a long time and we understand the way the scientific process works, that 
there is no paper that is without bias. That everything we do supposedly in research is to try and limit the amount of bias in a paper. And you don't just do one paper that says, okay, this is it. We never have to look at this again. And anybody who tries to go against what this one paper said is a heretic and needs to be canceled. But that's essentially what we're doing. And I have seen this with the climate um, numbers. I'm old enough to remember, uh, you know, global uh, ice age coming. Then they called it global warming. And then they changed the narrative to climate change. And it's so ridiculous. It reminds me of my father. When we were, when I was a kid, he'd say, you know, okay, we're going to decide who has to cook dinner. Is it going to be you or me? And my dad would hold out a, a ha- his hand and he'd have a quarter in one of his hands and I'd pick it. And if it was, if I got the one with the quarter in it, he would have to do it. If I picked the wrong hand, then I would have to do it. So I would point to the hand and he would, if it, if he in fact had the quarter in it, he would take his hands, put it behind his back, switch it to the other hand and then open it. That's how ridiculous our government is being right now with the stuff that they're doing and saying. And it just goes on. And I'm just going to give one last example. This is the thing. Listen, it's not about Trump, love him or hate him. But he was impeached for a quid pro quo. He was impeached for a quid pro quo, meaning that he was on the phone with Zelensky and basically said that if he didn't investigate Hunter Biden, who, by the way, it's so obvious that he's guilty of shenanigans and they just seem to be ignoring it. That's another topic. But there was this quid pro quo. He said, if you don't investigate the uh, Hunter Biden, then I'm, you're not going to get um, funding from the United States. So they, we had this big impeachment and then Trump goes and releases the transcript. And uh, the transcript clearly shows that that did not happen, but it didn't stop him. They just went through with the impeachment and both Republicans and Democrats uh, went through with it as if it was a legitimate function of our government. Well, I cede my time. I yield my time to the gentleman from Arkansas. What are you talking about? This is a total canard, a total joke. And then I can play this video, which I do all the time. I mean, it's always taken off of social media. But you got Joe Biden at the Council on Foreign Relations that says, if you don't fire the prosecutor in the next six hours then you're not getting the billion dollars of funding. And son of a bitch, they fired the, the prosecutor. And they jokes about it and nothing. It's the exact thing they impeached Trump for. And we're just kind of living in this Truman Show world. And it makes people like me feel like, what are we going to do to get out of this mess? How is the election of a few congressmen going to change the world? Well, first of all, realize that it's not going to until the people realize that we need to stop Investing more power in a government to fi- fix the very problems they created. And it's back to the point that I was originally making, which is our nation was founded on something unique, that we rose up against an overreaching government to begin with. That's what, that's what our foundational principles are, is that we said, no, we're not going to have one person tell any person. I don't care if, if it's a monarch. I don't care if it's a pope. Nobody's going to be able to tell the individual what to do. That's, that's not how it's supposed to work. Now, you can get into a lot of different things in life when, when you start talking about that. But basically, that means that you don't get to decide if I have a gun. You don't get to decide if my business should be open or not. You don't get to decide, like in France, where you can't work longer than me because how dare you make more money than me. This should never be about equity. This should never be about equality. Uh, the one thing we know is we're all equally given rights to achieve. It doesn't mean we're all equally gifted. It doesn't mean we all have the same work ethic. But the government's supposed to stay out of the way of that process. And instead, we keep on turning back to the government saying, hey, I want you to have oversight. Oversight is such a dangerous word because in our medical <clears throat> profession, this is what's hamstringed us. We have non-medical professionals tell us what to think, telling us, if you don't think like us, we're going to take away your credentials. If you don't say that a vaccination means a certain thing to you, we're going to 
take away your ability to practice. If you don't determine what a man and a woman is or whether this is healthy or not, we're going to say that you can't be a physician. That is a dangerous, not just a sleeper ship, that is the wrong trajectory altogether for anything when you take a bunch of non-doctors and force doctors to think like non-scientists, basically. And we've always had difference of opinion in medicine, by the way. And that's healthy. That's how we grow. And matter of fact, if you don't have difference of opinion, we'd still be using freaking dirty hands to do surgeries. And, and we'd use the all wrong instruments. But thank God we've had the ability to be Americans. And that's why we've led the way in medicine and, uh, and energy and other things because we've allowed people to come up with, with fixes rather than saying the government's responsible to ter- determine how we transition from fossil fuels to the next energy source. No, no, no. Resources will be put that way when it makes sense based on a society that figures those things out. When you turn to the government, it's never going to be a fair uh, system. It's always going to be biased towards the people who give the most money to the government in their pockets. And then, just like with Obama, I'm going to choose which energy is going, which not just which energy, but which company is going to be successful based on what the government stacks the cards for. And it's never going to be the most efficient run company or the best ideas if you do it that way. So, you know, one of the things that I want to do with this show is is educate people because before we can affect any kind of change, we need people to be informed. And right now the left is doing a really great job of isolating us from the truth, right? In order to perpetrate their lies, they need to isolate people from the truth, and they're doing it all the time. We saw it during the election. You have all this corruption with Hunter Biden and his laptop. It's suppressed. They get all of these ex, uh, you know, people in the DOJ and everything to come out and say that it's definitely misinformation. Then it turns out not to be. And is there any punishment? No. What we need people, though, to, to understand is... You need to understand it. You need to be skeptical of what you're reading and what you're seeing. And I'll just say, every time I read search for this show and I want to look something up, I always go to Google to start. And it's going to be New York Times, NPR, Bloomberg, Politico. You know, it's always the same things. I have to go on to page 17 to find anything that's even remotely conservative, you know, the free beacon or something like that. Uh, but for most people, they don't do that. You know, they go to that first page. So everything they're getting is a left-wing uh, perspective. And when I think about just basic stuff, the impeachment hoax for me is the biggest thing. It's There's no question it was a hoax. He released the transcript. We could see what happened. And it's like I'm risking my career to say it out loud. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, when I think about what's going on in medicine, we see how uh, COVID was used as a political tool to shut down businesses, to spend. I mean, you know, they would have like, well, we got COVID. We're going to spend trillions of dollars of money. There was like no pushback. And it was almost like you could see like the, the, the people in power, like, wow, this was so easy. We should just keep doing this. And now we got this crazy inflation. And everybody's like, man, I just, nobody saw this coming, you know, and they never suffer. Right. You got <laughs> Nancy Pelosi doing insider trading like forever. We all know about it. And it's just, I'm living in this Truman Show world and I'm just so frustrated that like, how does this keep happening? I realize a lot of it has to do with my age and my experience, meaning I've been in academia, so I see the corruption on the inside. I've been in research, so I've seen the corruption. And when I say corruption, that's the human condition. There's always corruption. I mean, that's why we have an open society. That's why we have free will and that's why we interact with each other. We should have rules that we all have to abide by. But now we're seeing a different set of rules. If you're on the left, you can burn down cities and do whatever you want. Uh, you know, we just saw David Hogg yesterday interrupted some uh, 
some proceeding, which two minutes ago, wasn't that an insurrection? And people on the right are like being thrown into prison. We got this two system of government where, you know, Hunter Biden, whatever you want. I mean, he's basically taking payoffs from other countries and he's saying he's getting paid for his art. It's almost so it's almost so um, in your face that you kind of have to respect it on a certain level of just the chutzpah that it takes for this. But in order for us to sort of get back uh, to a representative form of government where the people have power so that we can actually take care of our kids, you know, we're going to have to uh, get control of the levers of power. And for me, it's the medicine side I see that's the problem. The way that we credential our doctors, the way that we could, you know, you, you think about judges, they're, you know, appointed for life. Why? Because they're not supposed to be influenced by the politics. We see teachers, they get tenure. Why? Because they're not supposed to be influenced about what they're teaching. But yet doctors were totally punished. I mean, as I said, you and I have been attacked for making our opinions that turned out, by the way, to be 100% right. I, you know, I just hate to hound on that, but everything you and I have said on this show has turned out to be 100% right. Uh, but we got punished. I had to sit in front of my medical boards. I had to sit in front of my hospitals. And, you know, they backed down. Because when the facts came to it, uh, you know, they knew they didn't have a leg to stand on. But the point is, it affected my speech. And I'm afraid to say everything I want to say. And so I'm kind of careful about what I say. And that's a real problem right now. You got you got medicine that's corrupted on so many levels. First of all, the science that gets produced. It has to be supported by the political establishment. If you tr- If you demonstrate any science that is not in support of the government establishment, you're not going to get funding, you're not going to get promoted, and so that influences the data that we see. you got doctors that you won't get accepted to medical school if you say things like, I want to be a capitalist, I want to build the biggest practice in the history of the world, and, you know, I want, you know, total world, you you won't get a look. But if you go in and you say, I want to be a good little socialist, they're like, okay, this person looks like a winner. They come up with these phrases like best practices, Best practices, as always meant, don't do any independent thinking. We're going to tell you how to be, and this is what you do. And if you do anything outside of best practices, why you're going to be punished by your medical boards. And we saw that during COVID. Any doctor who offered an alternative opinion, contrary to what the government, uh, you know, recipe for treatment was, was punished. We saw it with almost all of the medical boards. This is scary stuff in order to be credentialed. You know, you have to get, uh, you know, credentialed through hospital systems that I've talked about on this show have these uh, unholy relationships with government because the hospitals are primarily funded by Medicare and Medicaid. And so that money gets donated uh, back to the to politicians who support increased uh, uh, money from the government to to the hospital systems. And if you come in and, you know, try to be like Rich McCormick and like, hey, listen, I don't think we should necessarily fund that. You're out of office. And so, you know, we, we have the AMA, the FDA, the CDC, uh, what else? You know, all of these agencies, where do they get their power from? And we've seen in COVID that these agencies exercising powers that they don't have, but nobody even knows to push back. We're going to take a little break right now. We'll come back and pick this up later. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber with Dr. Rich McCormick on the Doctor's Lounge. You're listening to us on America's Web Radio, and we'll be right back. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. 
It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Veteran-owned America's Web Radio endorses and supports Dr. Rich McCormick for Georgia's 6th District, U.S. House of Representatives. As a decorated Marine helicopter pilot, and now an emergency room doctor who served on the front lines against COVID-19, Dr. Rich McCormick has never been afraid of a fight. Whether it's communist China abroad, or the radical left in America, Rich knows the next fight facing America is to stop socialism. He's all in. Vote for Rich McCormick. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and today my guest is Dr. Rich McCormick, who recently won the primary on the Republican side for the Georgia 6th. We've been talking about all of the great things that are about to happen as the Republicans are, are likely to take back Congress on this next election and what that means for our representative republic. We have a lot of uh, government running awry right now with rule by executive order. Uh, I know that the uh, the powers that be, the government elites, and listen, this has been Republican and Democrat too. Uh, I don't want to you know leave some of these Republicans out too, um, but. You know, all of the Democrats are looking for a socialist transformation of this country, and we have a lot of Republicans who may not necessarily agree with it, but they're certainly not willing to risk anything to stop it, and they're, you know, making sure that they're comfortable along the way, and we're, we're way past that. I mean, we're got massive inflation. They're still talking about printing more money. We were energy independent just a couple of years ago. Now we're, you know, we got Joe Biden threatening to implement a, a climate crisis so that we can put more pressure on the fossil fuels. And the reason is because we're miserable. Gas is too expensive and inflation is out of control. And, and it's like they're just spitting on our face and we don't care. We're going to do this because it benefits us and our power. And we need to get back to to controlling our own lives. I think that medicine, I don't think, I know for a fact medicine is a big uh, power on that. And, you know, we were just talking about that they just collected the greatest number of ta- amount of taxes, almost $4 trillion. And the greatest recipient of that tax money was the Department of Health and Human Services, $1.2 trillion this year. I mean, it's just mind boggling the amount of money. And what do we get for the help from the Health and Human Services? Uh, for that one point trillion two trillion dollars, well, we get uh, we're still wearing masks in hospitals. Uh, now, listen, you and I knew before the pandemic, as did every doctor out there, that these cloth and paper masks were not having any positive effect 
on um, the transmission of what we call influenza-like viruses, but these sort of respiratory viruses. We knew that that wasn't working, but we went through this whole you know, couple of years thing where the mask was sort of uh, turned into this political tool. And it's seemingly, thankfully, most places have kind of dropped the mask, but not the hospitals. And the hospitals, why? Because the CDC says we got to do it. What else do we have? We have an opioid crisis that they constantly are trying to pin on doctors over prescribing, uh, you know, pain medicine for people with painful conditions. When you and I both know the vast majority of it has to do with fentanyl produced in China being shipped across our southern borders. We also got the Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, Richard Levine, who now goes by Rachel Levine, who's talking about one of his priorities of allowing uh, school-age children to get their uh, transsexual uh, treatment, as he calls it, these uh, these hormone, you know, devastating hormones, uh, altering drugs and, and mutilation-type operations. This is what our hospital systems, this is what our medical system is producing. And I'm asking myself, where are the doctors speaking out and why aren't they? Well, there's several problems. One, the medical school process does a good job of selecting out for the personality types that they want. They want people that are going to be left-wing doctors. That's my opinion. That's, you know, I've been doing this for a very long time. I know that if I were to say I want to be a surgeon, I want to have a huge practice, I want to get into the uh capitalist economy and compete and win mark you would never get in but if you go in and you say you know i want to work on an uh you know i want to work for the government i want to do research and i don't want to make waves and i want to do what i'm told man you're right in um we got medical boards that uh, punish doctors uh for any alternative opinions that go against the government um a prescription we saw that with covid you know there were a lot a lot of treatments out there that were supported by the literature and yet if you tried to do that then you were attacked and so it really silenced doctors and you know we got this new experimental vaccine and listen it is a fact that is a new experimental vaccine this is not hate speech on my part it is not me uh you know spreading misinformation it is a vaccine that is relatively new. You and I both know when we were in medical school, they said it took five to ten years to really know what the ramifications of a, of a new drug were. So this is no different. It's new. Um, and then we have infants and young kids that we know for a fact have a very small risk of having any harm from COVID. And yet we got we got our medical system that is allowing agencies like the CDC to advocate giving this new experimental drugs to our children. So I ask for all of this $1.2 trillion of, of tax money that's going to the De- uh, Department of Health and Human Services, what are we as citizens getting for that? And I would argue that we're getting controlled, that it's being used as a political tool. So one of the, one of the things that concerns me is there's they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. They, they say the vaccination, we know by even the most liberal medical organization, American Medical Associations and others that say, look, the vaccination is no longer useful. They admit it. Even with the most high-risk population out there, it's an old variant, by the way. If it's so easy to come up with, which by new technologies, really, it is easy to come up with a new vaccination for flu on an annual basis, right? Every year we come up with a new vaccination, vaccination based on that variant. And yet we haven't done that with this 
pandemic with coronavirus. We we're still based on the first variant, yeah, and, and we're on like the the sixteenth uh, very uh, different variant. That's by the way a benign process comparatively because we all have herd immunity now. We've all been exposed to this multiple times, multiple variants, and yet we're still using an old variant vaccination for a new variant problem, which is really not even that big of a problem. And they admit this, then they still require you and encourage you to get this useless vaccination when even the highest risk they show have less than two uh, months of benefit, which means you have no benefit. Let's just face it. You're not going to get a vaccination every every 45 days. And even if you did, that would be bad for you. I, pro- I promise you, putting a, a, uh, a variant inside of your body where you're going to have a hyperimmune response every every month basically to to give you some sort of benefit that's that's ridiculous you're going to have clots you're going to have uh local reactions you're going to have all kinds of bad things happen and yet that's what they're still saying to do the government the president of the united states is still encouraging people to be vaccinated and our children who you and i have kids i I got seven kids all right they're door lickers they they are not clean people they have the most robust immune response out there and yet we're pushing a vaccination for the kids who have been exposed who are the most healthy who have had the least adverse reactions to this disease and we're still saying oh we need to get these kids vaccinated and if that weren't bad enough we're telling our kids by the way our our teachers in Gwinnett since the governor says no you're not going to do this with the kids you're not going to mask them up so Gwinnett which is crazy to think of, now decides that it's a great idea to have their teachers masked, even though your teachers can already be vaccinated, they can already be exposed, they can already have antibodies. They, I mean, they can, and by the way, they're teachers. They're teachers. Teachers are supposed to be smart people. They can make their own decisions. And yet the government once again says, I know better than you. I, as an administrator, have taken away your choice as a teacher with how to communicate with your kids, how what parents are going to be able to come in and actually make any sort of influence on the board, by the way. I'm going to limit that, too. I'm going to use my power to, to bait as an often as an unelected official to to disempower the people, the parents who should be in control of their children's lives. And, and that is the problem with overreach right now. They're literally taking away a teacher's ability to make a decision just like they do with doctors. So once again, the inmates are in charge of the asylum. You have administrators telling doctors how to handle medicine. You have administrators telling teachers how to do education. You have all the wrong people in charge. And once again, this nation was successful because of an idea that we the people can have differences of opinions and you can try, hey, look, Scott, if you if you have a great idea on how to do your practice and I have a great idea, we're going to compete and we'll see who's the best guy. And, and in the end, that's what's made America great. Not government saying, oh, you guys have to do the same thing because the government knows what's best because you'll never make any meaningful progress in that way. You know, that's one of the things people always ask me. I know you have this experience too, but how many times do you get asked by people like, who's good? Like, I need to see a doctor. Who's good? And I'm always saying, well, I don't know who's good. I can tell you who's nice. But I, you know, I'm not there seeing how they interact with patients. I don't see what their skill set. You know, if they're a surgeon, I'm not watching them operate, and I certainly don't know, um, you know, how good they are with their hands, what their complication rates it. You know, who else doesn't know? The government. But you know who does know? The market. The market always knows the doctors who are good and the ones who are not, and that's how it's supposed to be. You need to get out there and compete. And we all want. Listen, we're all lazy. I want somebody else to figure it out and protect me and solve my problem, but that's just not the way the world works. Because, and I've seen this on so many levels, whether it's your HOA, whether it's your, your school board, whether it's your city government, your state government, your federal government, they always act to benefit themselves and their inner circle. My wife, 
got on the board at our our old community where we lived, you know, and she got on the the HOA there. And she was like, I cannot believe what is going on here. You know, we have like little lakes in the neighborhood and, you know, the people on the board are using their brother-in-law's company to, uh, you know, manage the lakes at a price that's twice what, you know, another company would be. And same thing with the landscaping and the um, the decisions being made about how to do things that are based on pure laziness because it's not their money. You know, it's like, well, we don't really need this, ah, but it's fine. It's not their money. And it's the same thing in schools and everything else. It's the same thing with the FDA and the CDC. These entities are not, you know, pure as the driven snow out for nothing but the public good. They're just not. And I'm not saying there's no role for these things, right? It's like, I'm always saying, like, I have questions about a brand new vaccine. This is my personal opinion. I don't want to be canceled for this, but my opinion based on graduating at the top of my medical school class and being in medicine for 30 years and being in good standing with everybody, based on all that, I have a risk-benefit analysis in my head. I do not think that my COVID-recovered children need to take a new experimental vaccine when their risk is small. I just don't. That's just a fact. It's a risk-benefit analysis. This is a fact even in a world where they won't allow us to fully discuss the negative implications of these vaccines. And yet, if I say that, oh, he's an anti-vaxxer, right? They said it in the AJ, say he's an anti I'm not an anti-vaxxer. If I don't want to have ice cream because I just had ice cream or because I'm training for, you know, an athletic competition or, you know, I'm full, I'm not anti-ice cream. I just don't want ice cream right now. I mean, this is, we've kind of lost this ability. And my, you know, my daughter is reading 1984 right now. Mm. And I was like, man, you pay attention to every single word of that book because it's happening in real life right now. And she can see it. And it gives me hope for the future because, you know, she's 15 and she can see the thought police, the language police. Written in 1948, by the way. Yeah. And that's actually also some good news that, as you said earlier, this has been going on forever. This is not a new problem we're having. Is it bad right now? Yeah, it's bad. But it was bad in 1979. I remember I was 14 years old and I was like, man, everybody hates America. This place sucks. I have no future. These lines for the gas are miserable. And then Reagan came into play and it, the world changed like this. And we need it to happen. But one of the things we need to do is we need people to start thinking for themselves. You need to stop allowing people to feed you information without thinking about it critically and we're sort of losing this ability to think critically because you're punished so where does that start so this is the interesting you're talking about the impact of elections and i'll, I'll start with local elections I, i'm thankful i'm thankful that i'm going to be in congress so we can push maybe some of the control down back to the state level down to the absolute local level which i, I think is the individual the individual is the ultimate minority by the way you want to talk about race, gender, all that. Absolutely. The individual is the most jeopardized person in, in America because we keep on running over individual rights constantly. But where does this start? The education system. The board, the board that you, that you elect, the school board. It sounds so benign, right? Nobody ever thought about school boards until recently when they realized, holy crap, these people actually are the most fundamentally important elected officials in America. It seems like the lowest level is the most important because it determines how your children are taught other than your own. I mean, a lot of us probably do injustice to our children because we spend so much time making a living and do all the things we know are important. Our kids lose the ability to think like us because we don't spend enough time training them to think like we do. And we rely on an education system which is biased against what we're doing. And, and we end up with this system that, that literally inhibits their own success. Instead of focusing 
on the two things which I think education is meant for, which is teach you how to be successful economically, which is easy, by the way. In America, you don't have to go to college. We keep on – kids have to go to college. Then you get your philosophy degree. You get your sociology degree. You get your history degree. And you come out a very poor, indebted person based on the government system was meant to build – by the way, if you had an education system that was accountable for the loans that you got – We'd have a whole different, we'd have yeah. a transformative yeah. education system in the higher education. But instead, the government, which is not accountable to anybody, is the one in charge of your debt for college. And so they don't care. They don't care at all. But if the education system said, if you're going to get pay back your education loan, it's because you got a good job, then all of a sudden they care about your education instead of just giving you a history degree that you'll never use again. And, and this is why I say, when you're in primary education, and, and I'm teaching you that you can own a landscaping just by cutting lawns and then figuring out how I design a business for a bunch of people to cut lawns for you instead and you become a millionaire way faster than a guy who graduated college by the time he's graduated college you're well on your way to being a millionaire I can teach you how to do that in high school I can teach you how to how to think in a in a way that's going to make you successful economically and I'm also going to teach you in a way to keep you independent so you can actually have a diversity of thought rather than a collective thought like communism which is what they rely on is an education system uh that's 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 uh biased and this is where it gets back to school boards that think that they know what's or 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 a education system an administrator that think they know better than every teacher they don't allow teachers to step out of line they don't allow children to step out of line and oh by the way the second part of that is can i just teach my children what's bad for them to also like i can teach them since the time they're growing up cigarette smoking we all agree that's a bad thing drugs illicit drugs bad but we're not even allowed to teach that we can teach them that you should be transgender but we can't teach, which by the way has a 40% suicide attempt rate, yeah. but we can't teach them that it's not good to use illicit drugs. By the way, if you get rid of the demand, that whole war we're doing on drugs overseas and on the border and everything else like that goes away. If you just teach kids from the time they're growing up, this is going to add, be- this is going to end badly for you. But we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to talk about sexual uh, responsibilities. We're not allowed to do all the things that, that will benefit a child. Instead, we're trying to transform them into something political in nature that's going to benefit a government and not a people. So, you know, it's funny. It took me a long time to sort of realize that I used to think that the school was lying to my kids. And then as my kids started going through school and I started meeting with the teachers, I realized they're not lying. It's just their teachers are products of the indoctrination process, and they really believe the basic socialism that they are teaching. And it was very demoralizing to me. They didn't, the left, they didn't win any arguments. They indoctrinated people to believe what they were saying without winning the arguments. And you and I are kind of these vestiges of people that are old enough to still kind of remember critical thought, like CNN. I always use the example. I used to watch CNN, right? Remember with James Earl Jones, CNN. And But I figured it out. Like, you lie to me enough. After a while, it's like I'm not going to listen to that anymore because you don't tell me the truth. And There's some good teachers out there, by the way. No, of course there are good teachers. But they're muted just like good doctors. Exactly. Just like good doctors. And that's where it's got to start. We've got, first of all, this is one of the things I want to talk about. You and I both know what it's like to be in that trauma center. It's crazy. You've got broken bones everywhere. You've got, you know, blood. You've got craziness and you've got chaos. And what do they always teach you? Focus on the one problem in front of you, solve it, then move on to the next problem. You can't think about all this going on. You lose your mind. You go crazy. You get catatonic with anxiety and fear about all this. It, and we were trained this way. One problem, focus, solve it. Move on to the next one. We're not going to fix this country in one election cycle. We're not going to fix this country overnight. And it's small pieces. As 
individuals. We're not gonna we're not gonna change the world. You know, no one person is gonna be this transformative person, but we do what we can do, and it starts with when you're born into this world. Your job is to become self-sufficient. And when you bring your children into this world, you need to teach them how to be self-sufficient. And I always tell my kids, one of the greatest things I have in life is the ability to help others. I'm blessed with it. I mean, I'm not like bragging about it. It's like, thank you, God, for putting me in this position where I spend my life taking care of people because it is the most rewarding thing I could ever imagine. And so I teach my kids, number one, learn to be self-sufficient. Number two, Learn to be self-sufficient enough that you have leftover to go and help others. And when you get to that point, that's truly a rewarding world. And the more of us that can do that, the world's going to be a better place. And it starts with being informed. And one of the stories that I like to to help people understand is I don't trust any. I've gotten to this point in my life. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what your education is. I don't care what your position is. You don't impress me just with that. I want to see what you do. I want to see who you are because I know there's frauds in every, I mean, from president of the United States all the way down to any other person you can imagine. Exactly. I need people to understand what's going on. Now, I always try to make judgments for myself. My brain is always on and I'm critically thinking. And one of my favorite stories is I'm watching, you know, what I'm watching. So, you know, I usually listen to conservative podcasts and shows and things like that. And I remember the day that you won the primary in the Georgia 6th and right wing right wing media well you know this is really crazy the uh the Trump endorsed candidate actually lost and this is quite perplexing and if you didn't know the inside story you'd be like wow that's weird that Trump endorsed candidate was was uh lost i mean what is happening here but what's the real story rich i want you to share that because it's it's a good example of how you can't trust what you're hearing on the media ever yeah, so this is the interesting thing. If you look at it from the outside, you think, well, what's going on with Rich McCormick? Uh, he was endorsed against by Trump, by Gingrich, by Pompeo, by Barr, by Handy. He must be either a, a, a liberal rhino, rhino rich, or, 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 or somebody he's bought and paid for. When in actuality, the, the ironic part of this is, I was also endorsed by Trump and Gingrich uh, the previous election, and it happened to be that I was running against a young lawyer whose father was very active in politics and who who had been Newt Gingrich's uh, uh, lawyer since before he was even in Congress, which, by the way, I don't hold that against Newt Gingrich. I mean, if you have friends who have been to the wall with you. I get that loyalty. Just don't don't mm-hmm. disparage me over that. Don't don't act like I'm the bad guy. This is all sleight of hand, and, and I don't hold against Trump either. That's fine. Trump's going to have his loyalties, and and we're going to play the games that we play in politics. But in the end, we're going to have to collect all this back together. By the way, and this is this is actually really important as we move forward. There's there's going to be a debate over motion versus progress, and I always get back to that. We can make laws all day long. And this is what Congress is really good at which is what makes them really bad. I can make a law that says I'm going to deal with the opioid crisis or or let's let's face it. You talked about fentanyl being the problem. I'll go a step further back. The government created the opioid crisis. We had we'd gone through this in the 70s and made it out and people said, "Wow, opioids are bad. Why why would we do that?" And then why did it come back? Because the government required physicians to handle that pain score and if you didn't you would be punished. You wouldn't even be reimbursed. And by the way, you'd be vilified by your own patients and, and told that you're a bad doctor unless you gave them lots of opioids. We created this next generation of opioid abusers because the government made us in, and this came a little bit after when you were top of your class, this is the next generation. Now we've moved out and realized, oh, that's a bad thing. Now we're suing the companies 
for what the government created. And the, well, the reason the, comp- the government created because lobbyists from those companies got in with government and created these new laws to to make this this problem happen. And I'll give you a second <coughs> thing: the gun problem. The gun problem, which we, by the way, we skew because the government we're the only government in the world, the the, the most uh, prestigious, anyways, that uses self-harm, which is 70% of our gun violence, by the way, is suicides. Uh, we, we're the only government that, that keeps that as statistics, so it throws our statistics way off, by the way. And then and then we also say, look, I'll make a law and make this better. Everywhere you make the laws, it makes it worse, but yet I've done something. It's just like the strategic reserve, which we, we know, mentioned before. I'm going to release the strategic reserve, bring down the, cra- uh, the price of gas artificially, by the way, which, by the way, the dirty little secret is, it has to be re- Filled, which means you're going to force the prices back up again. It's a net gain of zero, yeah. but yet the government did something. Look, oh, the government did something, and this is the problem. We make laws to pretend like we're doing something. We actually harm the public over and over and over again. Stop turning to the government to solve the problems that they are creating. It is a dead end. Instead, disempower the government, rely on the people, empower the people. If we can do anything in Congress, it's stop making stupid laws. Stop empowering the government. Stop taxing Money is power. Four trillion dollars is a lot of power. <laughs> and we need to get away from that mentality that we're going to tax our way of at any problem. If you increase government's control, which is created by the money we tax with, you are going to have a bad result every time. It's like saying, oh, this time I'm going to overdose with drugs and it's going to end up great. No. It's always a bad idea. It always ends up badly. Don't ever think that turning the government is going to be, for the first time in history, a good idea. Yeah, and I just wanted to put a fine point on the story that you heard about uh, Rich not being the Trump-endorsed candidate. He was the Trump-endorsed candidate, but his opponent's father, who used to be Newt Gingrich's lawyer for a very long time, went to Trump and asked Trump to support his son. And Trump, you know, you you had a conversation, and Trump was kind of like, you know, they're putting pressure on me, and so he switched. But you're still a Trump-endorsed candidate, but when you watch the media present it, they made it into this, you know, thing of, well, Trump's losing power and all this that it wasn't. And at the end of the day, Trump would have been happy to endorse either one of you. And my point is, when you see something in the news, when you read something in the news, you don't know the inside story. And that's why you have to be very skeptical about what you read and understand what are the motivations of the people who who are giving you the information. And... Listen, the solution to truth is not less information. It's more information. You have to allow all the voices to be uh, heard in the marketplace of ideas, and the market always knows. And that's really what I what I need for people. That's kind of my small little thing is pay attention to the details. And, the you know, the other thing I've learned in life, too, is life is not calculus. Life is one plus one equals two. Learn that. One plus one equals two. And then live your life like that. It is not complicated. They are printing money that we don't have, and so inflation is going up. They are making a war on fossil fuels, and so gas prices are going up. If gas prices go up, everything goes up because you can't make anything without consuming fuel. In order for us to get back uh, on track into a constitutional republic, we got to start thinking for ourselves. Rich, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, you're welcome anytime. I know you're going to do great. Make sure you guys get out and vote for Rich in the general election, which is when? Uh, it's November 9th. November. Uh, I would, it's I would, the beginning of November. Yeah, I would Good argue, question. uh, November, uh, elections coming up are probably the most important elections in recent memory. So get yourselves educated about the candidates. I'm telling you, Rich is the way to go in Georgia 6. 
We'll listen to you, or we'll see you next time on the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, uh, saying goodbye to Rich McCormick. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.